Welcome to Yoga Bears Podcast. <laughs> so this is the first of Yoga Bears Podcast and one of many. And today um, you have myself, which is Vicky, the General Manager for Yoga Bears, and one of our lead teachers, Sarah. Hello. Hello. So Sarah, today we have chosen you to be the subject of our first podcast. Very exciting. Very good, because you have a very unique journey. Um, and one that we identify with and we discuss so much and one that is forever growing for you also so Sarah's unique story started back when she started working in the NHS at the age of 18 and primarily you worked in NU yeah yeah um, you then moved on to intensive care yeah and you stayed there for many years now in 2016 you found yoga yeah and that was due to an injury. Yeah. So a slip disc yes. due to a fitness industry injury, sorry. Um and you found us here at Liverpool Yoga Studios, which is the home of Yoga Bears as well, where we all originally started. And Sarah, you you actually used to take the creative yoga bears, the styles love yourself class. Yes, my favourite class. And it's probably been a lot of an inspiration yes, for, for you moving forward. It definitely depicts you as a the type of class that you like, yes. I think, 100 percent So today we're here to talk about your story. So how you began in the NHS and how over the years the pressures and the work commitments came and went and then how you found yoga originally it was children's yoga to begin with and then when your journey takes you now which is very exciting at this moment in time okay so Sarah we talked before about it being an injury that you let that change you to yoga yeah so tell us a little bit about that and so basically I used to do a lot of weight training used to do a lot of cardio I kind of dipped in and out of yoga but I didn't really want to stick with it because I thought mm, it's too slow don't want to do it um, and then I slipped my disc and I couldn't walk properly I ended up having a limp and um, wow. I was only 27 and um, so it went on for months I went to a million different people to try and get it fixed and I couldn't and then one day I was walking past here um, and I came in I was brought in actually by Billy. <laughs> who For anyone who's <laughs> Billy is the caretaker, actually, yeah. godfather of the Liverpool yes. Yoga Studios. And made Yoga me Bears. come in. Oh. Um, and that was it. I came in and I did my first class the next day. Um, and that was just the beginning. And I have never looked back since. Amazing. Yeah. And did it help you in you, obviously? Yes, it absolutely yeah. 100% fixed my back. Yeah. Um, really? So. The yoga styles that I was doing, Estelle's LYS, I was doing some vinyasa flows, yin, um, literally every yoga I could do I was doing, yeah. um, and it cured my back, and, and that was the only thing that worked, yeah. and previous to that it had been a year yeah. of me in pain, not being able to exercise, not being able to do anything, yeah. and then yoga. And also carrying that pain around with you when you were in work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just trying hard. to kind of cope with the pain while I was working because people are coming in in more pain than you are and yeah. you just have to get on with it yeah um, but it was a little bit of a struggle yeah oh, I'm so glad you found <laughs> us so back then where what were what were your understanding uh, of the benefits of yoga I had no idea what okay. yoga was going to do to my life <laughs> completely changed my life I was only coming for my back that okay. was it. I yeah. wasn't coming for anything else. I just wanted to fix my back so I could go back training. Yes. Um, and what followed after that 
just completely changed my whole life. Okay, and I'll move back. I'm still glad that I found LYN. So thinking back then, so when you said you came in to fix your back, so it was an injury related, yeah. because recently we've talked about the most common um, reasons that people turn to yoga, um, and we've talked about it being stress, anxiety, all very topical yeah. words that people yeah. talk about. Um, and I think even in our journeys with yoga back in 2016, it probably wasn't as prevalent. No. We didn't talk about it as no, much. No, not at all. Even though probably inside a lot of people were internalising yeah. a lot of this. So the, this podcast is about the synergies between the ages. Um, so we're talking about how we will eventually get to anyway. We're talking about how a lot of what we see in our children and in our children's teaching, we then see in adults as yes. well. Yeah, so it, it, it's, uh, it's completely it's the same. It's yeah. the same. We are just the same as when we were children. Yes. You know, we still need that magic. We still need that stress relief. We need all of that that we give to our children. But as we grow older, we just seem to forget about it and we just live our daily lives and get stuck in this living in a constant state of stress, yes. which we're not aware of. Constant fight or yeah. flight. Constant fight or flight. Okay, so thinking back then now to how you practice yoga, so for anybody who's new to yoga, we probably will just talk about a yoga practice because to many people, a yoga practice is a posture-related yes. movement when it isn't really, no, it's a bit of everything. It's, it's your mindset, yes. it's your breathing, it's your connection inwards as well as movement yeah. and connection to the energy within the yoga class. So thinking back then, what, how do you think your yoga practice differs now and then? It's completely different because back then I was all about the posture. Okay. And I wanted, as I was, my injury was recovering, I wanted to be able to do the challenging postures and I didn't think twice about my breath. Yeah. I was just in the class doing, you know, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. But I actually wasn't thinking about what yeah. I was doing. At least you were doing that. A lot of yeah. people don't even listen to the cues. <laughs> I think we just miss it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when we first start. Yeah, because you're thinking about the posture because that's what you think yoga is. You think it's the posture. And social media portrays, you know, yoga yeah. to be standing on our heads and in splits and doing yeah. all of these fancy postures that we don't need to do. Because yoga for me is about the breath. Yeah. And when you can master your breath, you have so much power. Yeah. Because you can control your mind and then the posture comes easier to you. Yeah. And it's not about doing these really difficult postures. It's about bringing yourself to your mat and breathing. Yeah. And then everything else after that yeah. happens naturally. So that is a, that is a journey. And yeah. it is a, not a very common, very yeah. common journey. I mean, being here at Liverpool Yoga Studios, we talk a lot to new people who are coming into yoga. And it is very much a coaching session yeah. to get people to take those first steps. But I definitely would say that that is one of the key things that we talk yeah. about, which is about, it's not about how flexible you no, are. No, not at all. It's not about the movement. No. It's more about you yeah. and your breath. Of course. Now, we've spoke about breath recently, yes. haven't we? Um, very, we? We talk about it a lot when yes. we talk about children's yoga because the breath is the quickest way for us to calm our nervous yeah. system yeah. and with children it's something we practice through games yeah. and we have the most wonderful yeah. um games and play that we have that really help them understand how blowing the clouds away and sniffing the flowers and how that helps to control so in a way they're doing breath control yeah. but not knowing yeah now we were talking about how you do this in every class with your children yes. and it becomes just habitual 
But as we get to adults, we switch ourselves now to 36-year-old women who have maybe stressful careers, going back to yourself within the NHS. And are there times when you find it really hard to find that breath? Yes. Yeah, and you're so good to hear as well. I love your honesty. Thank you for being so honest. It's so hard when you're in the midst of, say, for example, working in A&E, it's extremely stressful. Yeah. And you've got patients coming in all the time. It's very, very busy. You're making sure that they're okay. You've got 10 million things to do and you forget to breathe. Yeah. You just forget. You're just going about your day. But actually, on the weekend, when I was in work, it was extremely busy and I took myself away for just five minutes and I just sat down to breathe. Yeah. But it's important and I want you to just elaborate on this a little bit more because... Talk to me about that pressure. So you've experienced it in a you've experienced yeah. it in ITU, yeah. and I'm guessing they are both very different sets of yes, pressures. Yes, they are. Yeah. They are so extreme. first of all, let's talk about A&E. A&E is, oh, it's, really, it's really difficult to explain because I think unless you're in there and you see it, it's hard to portray actually what we feel when we're there. So there's lots of pressures from... You know, you need to make sure that your patient is okay. When they're really sick, you're trying to get their antibiotics in. You're trying to make sure the families are okay. Then you're conversing with the doctors, conversing with, you know, the whole team to make mm-hmm. sure that they're, you know, okay. Yeah. Then you've got patients to move. You've got targets to reach. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot, it's different pressure. It's fast paced. It's very fast paced. So you're constantly go, go, go all the time. And, and it's one of these things that you can't control. No. I mean, many of us now in the, have come from corporate backgrounds and we've had stresses and pressure that I believe, and I think quite a lot of people would agree with me, are non-compatible to your world because back in the days of working for HSBC, no one was going to die if I didn't get something right. And I could control my workflow, but you can't. No, it's un- I say it's uncontrollable. You don't know what's going to come through the door. Yeah. And that's the reality of every day you go in there. Because no day is the same. Yes. And you could have three, four people come in that they need to be seen straight away. Or you could have 20 people come in that they need to be seen straight away. But you are trying to prioritise so talk to me about that prioritisation because you know I think that must be a master skill because for me I put myself in that situation okay I've not been trained in, in any medical stuff but I put myself in that situation and I think oh my god panic like you know I would really struggle to prioritise when it's human beings, it's life, it's death, it's illness. You can see someone's condition deteriorating, you know they need this. Like You can't panic though. And that's yes. how to not panic. Oh, I actually don't know how I, I actually don't know how I panic. Because on the outside you're like, okay, everything's fine and you're very calm. But inside, I'm not going to lie, inside you're like, ah! <laughs> But you cannot panic because the patient needs you to be strong and be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what's going to follow. You go and get the doctor. We give them treatment. We speak to the relatives and we try and, you know, relax the situation and stay calm for as much for them as for you. Because if you're running around a bed space going, oh my God, I don't know what's happening. Then they're going to panic and everybody around you is going to panic. But if you're calm then everyone around you is calm and that's how it should be. Yeah, so where did you learn that? 
Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't learn it from the NHS anyway because they don't give you they don't give you any tools. Okay. You know for that. Yeah. And um, I'm I've always been quite a calm person anyway. Yeah. So I've always been I'm never one to panic on the outside. It's always on the inside. Yeah. And yeah. okay. um, but more and more my yoga journey has taught me to just be present in this moment. Yeah. And deal with what's in front of me, not think, okay, we have to do this, we have to do yeah. this, we have to do this. You have to think of what you need to do right now. Yeah. Not what we need to be doing, you know, in 10, 20 minutes yeah. time. It's the present situation. It's a ma- again, I'm gonna say it's a master scale. It isn't, you know, and I say this to you very often when we have conversations that I don't believe it's a quality that everybody could could do. I don't think it's something we could all do. Um because I think naturally inside some of us are natural born panickers. Yes. So I think when you said before you've always been quite a calm person, that has definitely helped you. Yeah. But within the NHS obviously you receive all your medical training yeah. and then you do a lot of observational placements. So you do when you're in uni you do a lot of placement. It's not really uni based. So you okay. might have six weeks in uni and then you go to placement and I think in the first year you have two days in uni a week and yeah. then you have three days placement. Then you go into your second year you have one day in uni a week and you have four days placement. So it's a there's seven and a half hour week. Oh okay, so it's like you're yeah, it's a working week. Yeah. So thinking to then, were you uh, alert to the pressures of what it was going to be like back then? No. In my head, being a nurse was like, everyone was lovely and bubbly and, you know, went to the patients and like, oh, you know, are you okay? And nobody was that sick. I suppose because I was so young, I didn't, I knew people were sick, but I didn't realise how extreme it could get. Yeah. Um, And you're not really, you're not really prepared for that. You just learn that as you go along. Yeah, in your career. So before we move on from Amy, and we're going to come back to Amy because yeah. you're there now, yeah. but like as your journey stopped at one stage from yeah. Amy, you moved on and were promoted into ITU. Yes. So, so just before we leave Amy, yes. um, in terms of the people around you, do you ever watch your colleagues? Did you ever watch your colleagues panic inside? You knew they were panicking. Yes, definitely. Because yeah. you can see when somebody is you know what the, the situation in front of you, you know, is never going to be an ideal situation. So yeah. nobody, there is nobody that works in the hospital that 100% is like, okay, like this is fine. And they're not panicking inside. Yeah. There is just no way that you can't do that. But you have to be there to support them and say, look, it's okay. We're a team because yeah. it's your team that gets you through. Yeah. It's not you. Yeah. It's the people around you. And if you have a good team around you, then it doesn't matter what comes through the door. Yeah. Because you have that support. You're a unit. Yeah. You are an absolute yeah. unit. It's just really eye-opening. And I think I've said this to you before about how when you talk and give us an insight into this world, many of us may have frequented A&E. Yeah. Such what many of us haven't. But we don't see this side. I think it's quite... I know it's Obviously, this is only ever coming from my opinion, yeah. but I think a lot of people that come to A&Es just say time and wasting frustration yeah, yeah. they don't see that resource team. no they, they don't, don't see what goes on behind yeah. so sitting in the waiting room for four or five six hours is not because we think oh yeah 
sit out there for a few hours. It's yeah. because we're busy. Yeah. But people get frustrated with that waiting times, but there is nothing that we can do about that. And if we could work quicker and if we had more staff and more resources, then things would move yeah. quicker. But well, they don't. I would really like yeah, if you're okay to, to talk about like how busy it was for you this weekend. Yes, it was um, quite well time. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite unbelievably busy yeah. this weekend. Um it was just it was mayhem. It was chaos, but organised chaos. Yeah. Um, there just wasn't any flow within yeah. the area, um, which has absolutely got nothing to do with the people that work in the department. It's just the whole hospital as a unit. It's just the NHS at the moment, yeah. as it is. Um, but what was very different this weekend is how in control I felt of an out-of-control situation. Yeah. Which is down to, again, the journey of yoga, but how yoga and breath can just yeah. completely keep you grounded yeah. in a moment of chaos. And you, the fight or flight again kicks in and you think, okay, this is what I have to do because there is no other option. Yeah. So you go in there with your armour on, your warrior, you go in there and you do the best that you can and always remember that everything that you were doing is for the good of the patient and for the good of your colleagues yeah. and there is nothing more that you can do yeah and that's I think where a lot a lot of my colleagues and a lot of people that I work with we always think oh we should have done that we should have done that we should have done that yeah but gosh there's nothing the, the hype um hindsight yeah. yeah and there's nothing yeah we should be you know thanking the people around us, our team and ourselves, for doing a good job under really horrendous circumstances. Yeah. It is, and I'm, I think the way it's horrendous is yeah. definitely the right way yeah. to use because it is, you know, to have all of your limits pushed, yeah. all of the viable limits to the point where safety becomes an issue. Yes. You know, it's, 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 it's really difficult. So let's just take this away from the hospital one second. So... At Jordan Yoga Bears, teacher training, we yeah. talk a lot about how internalisation of emotions can affect us. Um, now, so we're going to go off on one now and say, people, come <laughs> with us, come with us. But I think if you are of a yogi nature, but I do think people are becoming more aware now of internalised emotion yeah, that definitely. can display itself yes. as injuries, yes. as sickness, and so forth. So think back to all that internalisation of what I hope you don't mind but I'm gonna call oh. it trauma yeah. because it's, it sounds trauma yeah. it sounds quite traumatic. Um so we hear about patient trauma, we hear about trauma teams, but now we're looking at trauma for the staff. Yes. Staff of NHS, yeah. the trauma, the endurance, the hindsight questions, all of this questioning of themselves. Let's think about that. So in 2017 we you undertaken you wanted to talk a um your, teacher, your children's show, your yes. teacher trainer. So you joined us in the lovely, beautiful yeah. Spain and <laughs> um, became a children's yoga teacher. So what, what was the prompt for that? I think at the time, I actually remember having a conversation with you going, I want to make people happy. Yes. And at that point in my career, I didn't feel like I was making people happy. Okay. And I wanted to make a difference. Now, you do make a difference. For sure, every day. Yeah, but I think sometimes you you forget what you're doing because you're just an autopilot. Yeah. So you're just doing what you do every single day, like we all do when we go to work. We do yeah. the same thing every day, but we don't actually think we're making a difference. Yeah. 
And I wanted to make people happy, see people happy, yeah. and make a difference in a different way. Yeah. Instead of in such a stressful environment where people are very sick, I wanted to make people happy that are well. Yeah, well, that's it. I think for you, it's visual and emotive yeah. because when you work with children, I mean, we can go into a class and within 20 minutes, we feel like we are the happiest yeah. people in the world <laughs> because whatever has happened in that 20 minutes with those children, they have to be sometimes the most beautifully inspiring, yeah. creative. And, you know, and, and that's every child, yeah. every child. So I think I can totally understand where you were coming from, yeah. where, that, where that came from. So you did your teacher training. Yes. Um, you came back to the UK. And then we talk now about a conflict of worlds, as mm. I call it. Um, so we have this super stressed um, Sarah being calm, leading in, in the NHS. And then you have your yoga-centric, children's yoga teacher, very creative, very emotive yeah. um, person. Then you attended a holotropic breath. Yes. workshop so just for anyone who doesn't know what a holotropic breath workshop is it's a form of kundalini um yoga which is highly spiritual and um, not everybody not not everyone's cup of tea let's be honest but a lot of people do it to really connect and um, to connect and open a lot of stuff within the body the kundalini energy is flows through us all um, and it is within the basis of yoga anyway but it was a little bit more specialized yeah. But what happened to you, Sarah, after that was quite um, horrific. horrific. Okay, I'm glad you said it. Horrific. So, Sarah, if you want to tell us what, what, just in, how would you summarise that 12 months after that experience? um, So many emotions, a lot of crying, horrific, that's the word I'm going to use. It wasn't all horrific. I think for the first eight weeks, I found that extremely stressful. And then after that, my whole world just started to change. Yeah. And that needs to happen because what I was releasing was the trauma that I had been carrying. Yeah. And that I didn't realise. You didn't realise No, I didn't time. know. I, did. I mean, because um, I think it was the... So going back to what we said before about the inter- internalisation yeah. of emotions and trauma, this holotropic breath, talking about the power of breath, yeah. somehow started yeah. to the beginning. unwind those many yeah. years of in the NHS which you don't know that you have yeah like you have no idea and you could speak to a hundred people from the NHS that go yeah we've seen this we've seen that but it's fine because you just think it is fine when actually what we see every day is not normal life and yeah. it shouldn't be normalized yeah 100% it isn't no. and we've said this before yeah. and it's another point of this podcast is that there is no training no. for this no. no training for for those life and death situations no. and then difficult situations because one thing that um we've talked about a lot is how you've given a lot of family care to your patients yeah. and you've um, often been baked baked cakes and all <laughs> kinds of received presents from people thanking you at the care. Um, but again, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's like, huge. Yeah, you could go be a counsellor and train for however long you need to be before you can go and work with people with grief. Yeah. But you're there right at that moment. Yes. And yet you, you're not equipped with any No, any you're training. not. You don't, you don't really understand what you're going into, I suppose. And mm. then when you're in it, you just yeah. have to, you know, be kind and be there for somebody but that's not easy now I would like everyone who's listening to this to think about it recently if you've had someone 
um, close to you who's passed away or if one of your close friends has had somebody who's passed away, can you think about how difficult it is to speak to them people? I know very well how hard it can be to think of the right words to say to someone you know. You've known them maybe for 10, 20 years, but you can't, you're struggling to find the right words to say anything. Should I say this? Should I not say that? Should I write that in the card? Should I not? Now, this is somebody who you've never met. The death has just occurred. Could be traumatically. This could be a young person, family. And you're there at that moment. You have to think of what to say. But sometimes it's not about what you say. It's just being there. Of course. Because a lot of... Some relatives, you know, they want you to sit and speak to them. But some of them just want you to give them a hug. And just to sit with them and let them cry. Yeah. And... It just come. You just know what to say. It's, yeah. Nobody teaches you what to say. You just, you just know what but again, to say. I think that's a skill that not everybody has mastered or will master. I do think it's definitely something that you've you've come to. You know that you've got. Yeah. So, the whole traffic breath broke down a lot of barriers, and yeah. then since then we, um, I hope you don't mind, but we can talk about shaking. Yes. So you experience periods of intense shaking within the body. Yes. So. Um, I injured my back again, but yeah. this time it was through working on ITU. Yeah. Um, and I had to be off for quite a number of months, and I started um, with somatics. Yeah. Which has again is another aspect of my life that has completely turned yeah. my world upside down and has completely changed my life. So for anyone who doesn't know what <coughs> somatics is right now, somatics is a form of neurophysiology. Is that the best way to and it's it? Amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> Um, Especially April, yes, last April is amazing. <laughs> so I started going to somatic, as well as at the point that where I hurt my back, I couldn't do any yoga because my disc was out yeah. and I pulled ligaments in my neck. I couldn't move my neck, so I wasn't able to practice any yoga, which for me was extremely painful because I love, yeah, love cool. yoga. Yeah. So I was recommended <laughs> to try somatics, um, and I started doing one on ones with April. And it became a much more emotional journey for me rather than the physical. Okay, interesting. And and that is when I started getting this shaking, which is when, um, say, a certain pose. So there's something called arch and flatten, where we inhale, we arch our back, we exhale, we flatten our back. Um, And I started getting this shaking, which is trauma. Okay. So it's releasing trauma in our bodies. Um, well, think about it when when you're overstretching or overpushing a you muscle, sh- you shake. Yeah, you shake. You're not overstretching. No, you're not doing anything no. like that. This is a very very slight yeah. movement, but yet your body was responding yeah. the and same. And I didn't read like April was telling me all about you know it was trauma and that I probably had PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder from yeah. working on ITU, um, and I was very blasé and I was like, oh yeah, I was like maybe didn't you know kind of brushed it to the side because yeah. I thought no I don't um and then the shaking got quite bad where we would do one movement maybe with my pelvis and my whole body would shake right. so it kind of looks like you're having a seizure but obviously I wasn't having a seizure I was well yeah. aware of what was happening I just couldn't control the shaking yeah um and the further on we got into this journey I realized that every time it happened I would want to cry but I wouldn't let myself cry but then I became obviously more aware of my body and I would let myself cry and when the crying stopped the shaking stopped okay 
So becoming more aware of the stress and the trauma that you carry. Yeah. And the injuries that occur from that. Because every injury I now know, and this is, again, only very recent for me because I'm accepting it, every injury that I've ever had, every sickness-related yeah. anything, is to do with stress. Yeah. And the trauma that you carry. And you can link this back now. Yeah, yeah. I can link it back to everything, like shingles. I've had shingles four times. You're unlucky in life if you get it twice. I've had yeah. it four times. And I've had it down the right side of my face, which is where your fight or flight okay. so, begins. Yeah. Um, and every time I've had it, everyone's gone, it's because you're stressed. I'm like, no, I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed at all. Yeah. But it is but this is stress. a huge common yeah. issue. So this is where I'd like to bring it to the kids slightly, is where... Um, we especially if you have reflexology as well, this is another thing because when somebody can either visibly see you're stressed or by the magic of your feet can tell that you're in fight or flight because of your glands I think a lot of people will turn around and say that I'm not stressed, I'm not stressed I'm not stressed because everyone thinks stress is like ah, like you're running around and you're busy and you're hectic and you look like you're stressed but actually it's not. But sh- I think as well, stress is a feeling. Yes. But sometimes we stop ourselves yeah. from knowing that we you have. feel sick. Yeah. But, but actually, you're you're stressed. stressed. Yeah. Or we we just or we've become that disconnected from our insides yeah. that we we don't feel it. No. You know, and um, you know, in some industries, I'll refer back to the banking industry. We talk about connection, so it's not just a yoga hippie thing. No. You know, right. The banker's gut, if yeah. you're ever going to lend anyone yeah. money and you've got this feeling in your tummy, it's a good idea that your banker's gut yeah. tell you it yeah. is. So other industries do apply it, so it's not like it's anything new. But when we think of children, so as children's yoga teachers, they don't really understand the word stress. No. They don't know what that means. And it's really funny if we ever ask them to really, yeah. you know, try and conceptualise that for us. So when we see a child's behaviour whether that might be happiness, sadness, sickness. There's lots of little different signs. That can be the stress. Yeah, of course. Or those butterflies they tell you about. Yeah. That there's the stress. Yeah. Or that not wanting to go into school because you feel sick. Yeah. So majorly important yeah. for us, yeah. majorly important for us is that we talk about those. Yeah. So as teachers, we have to find methods and ways, like you've just said, the butterflies in the tummy, yeah. the heart racing fast. Yeah. We have to find ways as children's yoga teachers to, to show the children, to, to help them understand yeah. what this is. Without giving it a word, we, we hate labels at yoga. Yes. Hate them. <laughs> don't come to us with labels. We like to just live in a few words. But when we don't ever give them labels like anxiety and stuff like that, but we help them understand those words and then we help them, boom, understand yes. how the breath can help yeah. that. So and they love the breath, like they yeah. they just absolutely. I can't. I've actually introduced a lot more breath into my classes the last few months, and the difference in the children is just it's phenomenal. It's okay. literally amazing, and it's only like maybe two extra breath yeah. exercises on top of what you already do. But they concentrate. They feel relaxed. They love the breathing. Yeah. And they get excited when you come in. They're like, what are we doing today with our breath? Like, that, that's what that they want to do. Amazing. <laughs> so let's go. I mean, we haven't talked about ITU yet, but we are going to touch on it yeah. briefly in a second. But 
think about that then with the children, what you've just done, and take yourself back to the age of 18. If somebody in the NHS had to turn around and said to you, right, okay, here's all your medical training, here's how you do this and here's how you do this. Now, here's another aspect of training whereby this is real world. So we're going to go into an enemy situation and we're going to teach you how to cope with those situations. Think clearly, be present, but be able to go home from that shift, not traumatised by what's just happened. And if they had introduced that breath work back then, things would have been very, very different. So talking about, um, I know we, we want to talk about ITU, but maybe yeah. let's not go there today. Yeah. Maybe let's talk about what you're doing now. Because Sarah, and why we've said about your unique journey, is because after the holotropic breath episodes and the 12 months that preceded it, you've now found yourself stepping away from yeah. um, the NHS partially and maybe momentarily. Yeah. And you have become more into the yoga world. So you've become a lead teacher for yoga bears. You've been to New York recently. So you've done lots of different things. You've got lots of different classes and working in schools. But one really exciting aspect of your job is that you've been, um, you've become an adult yoga teacher. And you now actually go back into the NHS and work with those colleagues, that team you described before, and teach them yoga, breathing, and meditation. So tell me how that's working. That is amazing for the staff. Initially, it's quite hard because I I know from working there, if somebody came to me, probably even now, and it was very busy, I'm like, come on, let's do 20 minutes of yoga. But like, no, I don't have time. I don't have time. Yeah. Because that's, you're constantly like fighting against the clock to get things done. Yeah. Um. But it works very well because I have worked there and I come down and I take people, what we call the shop floor, off the department and I bring them upstairs. So I go on a Monday and I teach from half nine till four o'clock and I teach like 20 to 30 minute drop-in sessions and I bring four or five people up upstairs at a time. And we do, we start with our breathing, we just settle ourselves, ground ourselves. I do a small amount of movement with our breath and then we do a long guided meditation and I give everyone a little head massage just to take that 20, 30 minutes away yeah. from Which the madness to ground. It's not, but it feels, yeah, and it yeah. feels to, when you're really busy and stressed, that's a long time. It is, yeah. 100%. But it's not a long important. time to be able to... You don't even need that long to be to take yeah. yourself away and have well, a few minutes. It's to another breathe. synergy, is it, with yeah. the children? Yes. We very often will only work in twenty minute yeah. sessions with younger age yeah. groups. And I think that is such an important point that you've just touched upon because if somebody's mind is elsewhere thinking, yeah. Oh, I've got this, this, this and this yeah. to do, that twenty minutes is like gold. Yeah. And the attention and the commitment that they yeah. must give will and be people amazing. find when they go back down that they can think clearer, they feel calm, they feel like they've just had time to breathe, which is what we don't do. do. And that's going to ask you about the impact because you've had such amazing yeah. feedback yeah. to the point where it's being, you're actually being considered for it to be rolled out at another trust. Yes, yes, yes. so it's amazing. Um, so the feedback I've had, the, st- the staff absolutely love it. When I go in in my uniform, they're like, oh, is it yoga? Not today. <laughs> oh, it's nurse. <laughs> yeah, it's nurse today. today. Yeah. Um, but people 
I think for breaking down barriers and people that have a lot of people that have been resistant to it who I just make come to the class yeah so I'm like you can just lie on the mat you know because everyone hears yoga and they're like I can't do you know I can't do that Go back to what I said before. that's exactly what yeah. they're saying and all about the posture. I can't do that so yeah. I don't you know I don't want you to come up and do that I just want you to come up and be still yeah and be present yeah just you know for 20 minutes um, and a lot of people when we do the meditation cry wow. because they have that time to stop and Life is so busy. You go from work. If you have children, you go home. You look after your children. You put them to bed. You get everything ready for the next day and you go to bed. When in your day do you actually stop and think about how you feel? And when are you ever kind to yourself? Because we are not kind to ourselves as a population. No. We look at ourselves. We pick on ourselves all the time. Yeah. And the things I say to myself, I would never say to you. So why do we speak to ourselves like that? Yeah. And having that time to lie there say positive affirmations, say, I love me, I am amazing, I yeah. am strong. We should do that every day. Yeah, we should. We definitely should. And I just think, so your dream then now for the NHS, so, um, you know, there, there may be change of thought yeah. in terms of your positions within the NHS, which we'll see you going even more back inside, but going back in almost like this blunt nightingale of mindfulness and yoga. Yeah, um, it's to make a change. And... A&E are really, like, they are trying to make a change. Like, they have a well-being team and That's they amazing. do events and they're really conscious of wanting to make that change yeah. within the hospital, within their department and for their staff because they care. Yeah. And a few years ago, that wouldn't have been thought about at no. all. And now going in, like, having yoga as part of your working day yeah. in A&E, like, to me, that is amazing it's medicinal yeah it's almost like yeah. it's the, the medicine for yeah you, for you guys that's <laughs> you know, what you help. need because yeah. you might have just been with something you know really traumatic and you yeah. need that time to come away and just be and, and let's try just, and let's just highlight there when we say yoga you've just described what you do in that 20 minutes and it was more breath yeah, meditation of course, and relaxation because that's what yoga is a little bit of movement yeah. obviously movement is important yeah because one thing we'll discuss later and we'll discuss in different more podcasts is how sometimes the movement can force the opening yeah you know and we all have a very famous camel pose yes giraffe, <laughs> yeah so we'll, all, we'll talk about that another day and um, but sometimes the postures can aid that opening yeah i right? can aid that connectivity but it's really interesting you've just said yoga but it was yeah. breathing but it's a little bit of yeah. movement because it's everything it's the whole thing yoga is just not the posture which is what the majority of people think it is it's yeah. a hell of a lot more than that yeah. it's our breath it's you know in yoga base our mindful activity yeah you know our sitting our talking yeah. like our this sounds. is yoga yeah like everything, everything you know do. it's all so for us the synergy between the ages just for us to finish yes. up now slightly so the synergy for us is how we believe that yoga practice has to be regular and it has to start yeah. from we say from birth you know it being idealistic yeah. but we will say from birth and we believe at yoga base that if we were to do all of this practice with children throughout their primary years throughout their teen years into adulthood that we would make such a difference yeah to the mental health. It would literally change the world. Yeah. That it, is exactly what it yeah. would do. So thinking how we synergize with yours, because where we've now got to adulthood, 
So you would step out of a teen yoga class at the age of 18, yeah. now going into taking your training with the NHS. Yeah. Now imagine if the NHS could listen to what you've said today yeah. and could turn around and say, but you know what? Let's put this in as part of yeah. our training. Let's not just rescue people. Let's not, it's just not a rescue mission yeah. all the time. Because going right back to when we very first started, we talked about the common issues yeah. that people come to yoga for anxiety. People are broken. When they find yoga, people are broken. But if we had from birth, you know, into five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds up to our teenage years and then we bring it into adulthood, we as adults would be so different. Yeah. We would be so much more aware of how we feel and the feelings that we have, what it's due to. Yeah. Because we don't have that link. It's emotional intelligence. Yes. It is emotional intelligence, and emotional intelligence is taught a lot within the corporate world. Once you get to a certain point, they teach you about emotional intelligence to incite better leadership. Yeah, but they don't teach us about it to kind of incite better emotional no. well-being for ourselves, um, which is just a different motivator. So I hope for you, Sarah, that your journey continues, and obviously we are always going to be part of it, which we're so blessed and so grateful to be part of it. Um, but what we would like to do as part of to end this podcast, we are going to share a meditation of yours because Sarah is very famous for her meditations. <laughs> so we're going to do share a meditation, and also on the podcast will be links to um, somatics yes. and also yoga for children throughout the years. So we've talked about synergies throughout the years, and Yoga Bears provides yoga from age from birth all the way up to teen now. Um, and we've got lots of relevant blogs and also information about how we can implement that for anybody who's listening. And hopefully we will catch up soon. But we would really like if anybody who is in the NHS is listening to this podcast and would like to share it within their trust yeah. to maybe try and incite that caring nature of the a yeah. in the world of a poor yeah. hospital um, to try and encourage that around the country would just be Yeah, that's amazing. what we want to do. We want to change the world. Change the world. <laughs> and that is and that, that is what we will finish this in. Thank you so much. Thank you. So thanks everyone. So the links will be on the podcast and um, please share um, share within your communities and if there's any subjects that you would like us to discuss moving forward, let us know. Amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you.